If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido Sientes la experiencia de poder La emoción de la libertad Ya estás preparado Para vivir tu nueva aventura Nueva Ram 1500 Hecha para vivir Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC Tonight battle lines drawn in parliament As defense minister attempts To convince NDC minority members To back government's decision To deploy Ghanaian troops As part of ECOWAS Military intervention in Niger. The entire legality of anything that will happen must be of concern to all of us as lawmakers. And uh, at the end of the day, it's about our national interest. Yeah, article, that's anything article, to go by. Article 73 and Article 40 is very clear. We bring you exclusive details from this closed-door security briefing. This is Top Story with Evans Mensah. And Top Story is always brought to you by Vodafone. Now, the Defence Minister, Dominic Nittel, has today been on a charm offensive in a desperate move to get opposition members of Parliament to back government's decision to deploy Ghanaian troops as part of the ECOWAS military intervention in Niger. Now, join us is learning the battle lines were firmly drawn in that closed-door security briefing with minority MPs rejecting any commitment to deploy Ghanaian troops. They had demanded that the president seeks explicit authorization from parliament before sending Ghanaian troops in. Today, we have confirmation that ECOWAS is proceeding with its plan to get troops ready for deployment in Niger, where a coup d'etat, as you know, has toppled the democratically elected government of Mohamed Bazoum. In fact, Accra will be hosting the chiefs of defense staff of ECOWAS this week to draw up the plan of attack. We have more on that for you pretty shortly. But you know by now, Ghana is ready to deploy once the green light is giving. The defense minister, Dominic Nitu himself, made that clear. ECOWAS has given the junta a one-week ultimatum to Hanover or face severe consequences, including the use of force. After the one week, we will seek the direction of the presidents exactly what they will do. But I can say that the member states are ready. Uh, if it means using force, the member states will be ready to do that. As a said, we, we're waiting for the direction from the commander-in-chiefs of the various armed forces across the globe. And if, there is a, if the decision is to use force, the armed forces will, of every country will contribute troops to use that force.
Well, bless us, Oga, who heads our foreign affairs desk, was there for us monitoring this uh, very important security briefing in Parliament and joins me in the studio now with details of this. Blessed, uh, why has this become necessary after the Defence Minister had already uh, told us that we were ready to join ECOWAS to deploy the troops? Well, Evans, you recall that at the start of this month, President Akufado, together with ECOWAS leaders, um, signed uh, to agree on modalities that will lead to restoring constitutional order in Niger and Part of the agreement was that there will be a deployment of a military uh, team or troops that will restore constitutional order if within a week the military uh, regime in Niger does not hand over power. That did not happen. Fast forward, ECOWAS decided again to move forward diplomatically to engage the military team in Niger. That also did not happen. And so now ECOWAS has given that green light for, quotes the activation of a force that will be contributed by all West African countries to restore constitutional order. Throughout these engagements at the regional and sub-regional level, the argument from the minority side has been that the president has failed to consult and also has failed to consult members of parliament who are critical stakeholders in the way forward on contributing troops um, to the ECOWAS sub-region. So I believe that it's part of the reason for which today government sent a delegation um, to engage MPs, but not you know the entire house, but representatives from the defense and also the foreign affairs committee. So that's what transpired. So today. who specifically was it, was in this meeting? Um, so at the start of the meeting, um, it was clear that this was a meeting being spearheaded by the defense minister because the defense minister himself was there knowing that this would be a military action if the president decides to go forward there was also the national security minister um honorable albert kanapa who was also president at this meeting then we had a representative of the foreign affairs minister um in the person of the deputy uh, honorable amprichum uh, who was also in this meeting leading or i mean forming part of the delegation from the government side um to meet a cross-section of members of the Defense and Interior Committee, one, and then we had a joint meeting, now having the Foreign Affairs Committee of Parliament also coming together to engage with the government delegation. Okay, so again, I guess, I guess supposedly is to get their buy-in uh, to what government is planning to do if ECOWAS says, let's go, and we'll come to what the security chiefs of ECOWAS are planning to do later this week, but you picked up some significant charter of some deep divisions that emerged in that closed-door meeting. What more do we know? Okay, so uh, the meeting started somewhere around 9 in the morning. Uh, this would uh, take us all the way through to midday, uh, so it does tell you that a lot was on the table to discuss knowing um, that there are you know divided opinions as to whether or not first of all the decision itself is the right thing for the sub region to do um the mps went uh, i mean beyond that because now it's confirmed that the president our president has committed the country um to an international agreement or a treaty if you want to call it as such that ECOWAS will now have to deploy troops so that became the subject of controversy uh, the fact that the president is committing Ghanaian soldiers to go and fight, quote-unquote, a war, and what will be the modus and what's the constitutional requirement, that then generated a heated debate between the majority side and the minority side. Now, Evans, what's interesting is that these two parties do not seem to disagree with the fact that, yes, the president has to enter negotiations on behalf of the country, but they all have a challenge 
about the constitutional interpretation of Article 40 of our Constitution mm. and what it says. Whilst the majority side is siding with Article 40D, which we'll get into details shortly, the minority believes that it should be Article 40C, which precedes 40D. Now, what's the um, you know uh, stipulation within the constitution when it comes to article 40c now article 40 basically talks about how we can conduct our international affairs but when you come to c the c talks about the fact that the country must promote respect for international law treaties and obligations and the settlements of international disputes as well must be done by quote peaceful means that's the requirement peaceful means now the majority side says that the president has no option because even if you take a peaceful means as the caveat there is d which says that our country must quote and that's a strong word adhere adhere to the principles enshrined in or as the case may be when it comes to the aims and ideals of first of all the united nations the african union the commonwealth and then explicitly you find echoes being mentioned in that article so the president cannot opt out that is where the division all started from okay and this was closed door and understand they had sworn an oath to be quiet and not speak gentleman's agreement actually yes, <laughs> but we got some we got some clarity mm -hmm. on where the battle lines possibly have been drawn precisely we spoke to Samuel Okuja to Ablakwa who's been uh, talking to us. He's of the opinion that not just Article 40 of the Constitution, but also Article 73 of the Constitution is clear on what the requirements are and how the President must engage on this matter. The entire legality of anything that will happen must be of concern to all of us as lawmakers. And uh, at the end of the day, it's about our national interest. Yeah, article, that's anything to go by. Article 73 and Article 40 is very clear. Uh, our national interest must be at the center of any decision. Our national interest. And don't forget Article 40C encourages peaceful resolutions of matters. But if you go so, to D, we, we are to adhere with whatever decision the sub-regional body acquires. So, so, so as I've uh, told you, the matters are very sensitive and delicate yeah. and and that's why but i'm talking about law because that I, I i heard that come up yeah. on on the committee that this is a matter of law it will come up strongly at you as, the as you do know consultations are going to continue on this matter this is a very sensitive matter and since we have a collective agreement that we will not divulge the details at this point i think that we should go with that well, while we have this conversation, mm -hmm. the ECOWAS is going ahead to drop the plan of attack. It, and, and Ghana is playing host it, it, possibly to this plan being drawn up. So you recall that I was pointing out uh, to the last meeting that ECOWAS held. The word active word they use there is to activate the ECOWAS standby force, which means that now it is confirmed that they will indeed form that standby force with a command. And once that command is formed, any time the order is given for deployment then the team is readying itself so it appears that the ghana military or the ghana armed forces are also part of that exercise so there's a statement um signed by the lieutenant colonel um for direct that's the director general of public affairs for the ghana armed forces uh, a um, amate pointing out and i just want to read uh, out what it says that the economic community of west african states ECOWAS committee of chiefs of defense staff will hold an extraordinary meeting from thursday which is just um, two days away, mm -hmm. to Friday, 18th of August. Uh, in, and this is happening uh, at the military headquarters, Burma Camp, here in Accra. And it explains, obviously, that, yes, indeed, ECOWAS is proceeding with that planned deployment. As to when that directive will come, this is what we're not sure. The Chiefs sure. want to be ready. 
They want to have Precisely. a plan available for, say, our commander-in-chief, the president, and Akufado. And in fact, we, we must point out, Evans, that the, 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 yeah, the, the meeting was scheduled for an earlier date, in which should have occurred. To, to be specific, yeah, on, on Saturday. On Saturday. But it didn't happen. Um, one source had told us that mm -hmm. it didn't happen because they wanted to explore a bit more the diplomatic options. Mm -hmm. Other but options. They are, but they are the Other sources are also indicating to us that it's got to do with logistics. And that's why experts are also raising concerns about the deployment. If you have an external factor supporting you in terms of logistics, it may then draw you into a proxy war, which many experts are alarmed about. Okay, so as of tonight, as we know, the government, led by the defense minister, is now on the charm offensive, trying to get a minority side mm -hmm. uh, to buy into the decision to go to war. And that has, has to be put bluntly. And, and by the way, mm -hmm. let's put this in context. The right. reason why the word war has been used is that, as we've heard from Mali, the military junta in mm -hmm. Mali, yeah. and from Burkina Faso, they have committed... Any attempt, they say that any attempt to send a troop into Niger would mean declaration of war against Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger. Okay, and, and so this really brings us to the brink of war, really. ECOWAS against these three nations, yeah. and I call them the Janta Alliance. I want to bring in our experts into this conversation because as uh, we're learning, this is uh, moving uh, pretty quickly uh, with what has happened today uh, in, in Parliament. Clearly, this meeting as we've been learning, an attempt to get the MPs to buy in means we are on the brink with the Chiefs now about to meet this Thursday and Friday uh, to drop this plan. I want to bring in Professor P.J. Chia. Uh, he is a senior law lecturer at the University of Ghana. He, of course, has great international relations expertise and in as far as the laws governing that area is concerned. Also joining us for a conversation is Kenel Fesses Abwaji. He is an author. He is also a, a security and conflict analyst and also joins us with his thoughts on this as well. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for your time here on Top Story. And, Kenel, uh, uh, tell me what you make of the developments tonight, considering that the defense minister is now reaching out to the other side in parliament, trying to get them on board here. Uh, good move. Well, I think he's, he's uh, probably trying to now normalize um, the statement he made by declaring that Ghana was going to be part of an ECOWAS intervention ahead of a statement from the president. And I've emphasized that there is no democracy where defense ministers or defense secretaries declare war. And in those democracies, presidents or executives go to their legislatures in order to have the sanction of their legislatures. So what we're doing now is trying to normalize the, the procedure. Well, somebody who spoke, I think the minority MP, said that they have sworn to lend their confidentiality, not to disclose what the discussions were about. But it is not for any reason that the article that your presenter uh, put forward on international relations, Article 40, emphasizes or puts at the center the national interest of Ghana. So the debate must be about, does an intervention in Niger promote or serve Ghana's national interest? And that discussion must also be part, be, uh, you know, explain the risk that Ghana, in all likelihood, is going to face that might be injurious to our national interest. 
But even having said that, it says that, first of all, we must pursue peaceful settlement of international disputes. Now, I disagree with anybody who says that. 10 to 20 days or so after ECOWAS said that the CNSP must hand over power, and they have not handed over power. It means that the diplomatic options... Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Any diplomat will tell you that. That is not how diplomacy works. It's up and down, give and take, and so on. It takes time. And I've had the occasion to say that in Liberia, it took us from January of 1990 until August, September, before we went to Liberia. In the case of the Gulf War, when America declared war, it took about 30 days when America, you know, was preparing. As part of putting what um, uh, Ambassador Musa Patel said, strategic ambiguity. So I don't think that we have fully exhausted the diplomatic channels. Part of the problem is that ECOWAS departed from the tested diplomatic principle. For ECOWAS, first of all, you suspend. And suspension has always been the road to follow when there has been a coup. Then you impose sanctions. Then you engage constructively. And then you deploy other coercive tools. In this case, we ran from zero to 100 and declared sanctions and the use of a threat of force, you know. And then now we're coming back to say, okay, let's give diplomacy a chance. It doesn't work that way. I'm also suggesting that there is nowhere under any international treaty, not even the UN Charter, that because you are a signatory party to an international treaty, all decisions of that party will be binding on you uh, willy-nilly. And, and, that, and that is the legal conundrum that has been thrown up today, even in this closed-door meeting. Uh, Kennel, please stay with me. I'm going to be bringing uh, oh. Professor Pejitia on, on that particular point. Uh, Prof, so yes, they, they had sworn to a code of secrecy in this meeting, but at least we got a word from Ms. Okudita Blaka, who is ranking on the Foreign Affairs Committee that gave us a hint as far as where the lines are being drawn. And it's been drawn around Article 40, mainly in one breath. Uh, 40C says, in our international dealings, we must promote uh, the respect for international law, treaty obligations, and the settlement of international disputes by peaceful means. So if you are a minority member tonight, you are arguing 
just as we've heard uh, Ken Officer Baji make the point there that explore that first and exhaust that. But that the government had made the point that D says we must adhere to the principles enshrined in, or as the case may be, the aims and ideals of ECOWAS, together with all the other international bodies that we've ascribed to. So help us resolve this conflict there. The government is saying we must go. If ECOWAS says let's go, let's go. We don't have a choice in the matter. But then the minority says, well, the peaceful option must be explored first. How do you resolve this? Thank you. I think we can resolve it actually by not drawing a line between Article 40C and Article 40D. I think the two go together. Because as um, Kanepeso Boadji uh, has said, diplomacy should be part of the discussion. Okay, but um, in such situations, if you want to go straightly by the principle of international law, what we understand is that Ghana is a state party to the ECOWAS. And ECOWAS has made a decision that we are going to war. I mean, I'm not saying we are going to war, but we want to restore democracy in Niger. The question is, on what basis is ECOWAS making that claim? It comes down to the question of recognition of government. ECOWAS is saying that we don't recognize the government of um, Chiani and, uh, and because of the fact that they have come to power through illegal means. The African Commission on Human and People's Rights has made a ruling that if a coup d'etat takes place, it violates the sovereign will of the people and it violates the self-determination of the people. And so it is in violation of international law. So ECOWAS says we are not giving recognition to the government. That means that they rather recognize legally the government of Bazoum. And so Bazoum is saying that I want to come, you to come in to restore the democracy in my country. And so ECOWAS has that power to make that decision. And members of ECOWAS are obliged to abide by the decision made by ECOWAS. You know, ECOWAS has even acquired at this stage extra powers in terms of being supranational. So what it means is that any decision that is taken becomes binding on a member state without having to go through the local procedures of a particular country. And Article 75 of our constitution, if it is a treaty, it has to go through ratification by parliament. But ECOWAS supranational status says that we don't need that procedure. So the moment the decision is taken, it becomes binding on member states. Of course, member states can decide to comply or not to comply. But for, to adhere to Article 4H, which Article 40D, it means that Ghana, as a law-abiding country, can comply with that decision. And so, to me, when we talk about 40C, it also talks about peaceful means. And that is where that process should be explored. I'm not for um, uh, military intervention, but legally speaking, that option is available to ECOWAS and Ghana is supposed to comply with that. What, 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 what do you make of the view by some? Exhausted the, the democratic process, uh, diplomatic processes, and that should be given more chance to prevail. But, but then that question comes in. I mean, nobody defines exactly how, how long that should take, right? ECOWAS believes the one week ultimate has been given. They've attempted to go in and negotiate and explore that option a bit more. 
they failed because obviously the Janta will not entertain them coming in and so they've hit a wall a decision has to be taken now let's plan and let's put the threat of force family on the table and let's go in if we have to well i'm not sure the the diplomatic process has been exhausted and i'm, I'm, I'm i have the feeling that ECOWAS is adopting an approach similar to what they did to in the case of the gambia where they massed some troops on the border and that was enough to put some fear into um, Jame to to decide to relinquish his position. And so I think that they are adopting a, a carrot and appro- um, stick approach whereby they are still exploring diplomatic options by saying that in the case of last resort, this is what we're going to do. I think that if ECOWAS would decide that we are intervening immediately militarily, that is going to be a mess. Already we know some of the humanitarian issues coming up. And so it would be in the, in, in the wisdom of ECOWAS not to rush into a military um, uh, decision and to go military to intervene. But I think that is a strategy they want to use as a way of pushing the, the, um, the military regime to come to the negotiating table. Because we know how it has come up some decisions. For example, that it wants to try Bazoom for high treason and so on. So they are trying to push the, 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 uh, the notch to say that this is where we stand. ECOWAS also wants to flex his muscles and say that this is also where we stand. So I think at the end of the day, both sides w- should agree on exploring diplomatic options to resolve the issue. But there's a interestingly, mm-hmm. please proceed. Uh, interestingly, uh, um, the, o- um, the AU has set up guidelines and rules to follow in case there's a military change of government or a coup d'etat. For example, they will not immediately give recognition to the party, to the military regime that has come to power. It will give uh, the option to meet the regime and to negotiate for a return to constitutional rule. And so during this period, sanctions, some sanctions are imposed and then there is uh, some measure of um, uh, for example, the, party, the country may be suspended from membership of the OAU, uh, sorry, the AU and the FOAS. And then through that, negotiations are, uh, are, are take place. The, the, the military regime will say that we are returning the country to mili- a constitutional rule. Then ele- new elections will be held w- maybe within six-month period and so on. Then that case, that some solution is arrived at. The weakness with that approach, though, is that no space is given to the overthrown government to take part in the elections that um, the, the new regime would, would try to come up with. So that is some weakness with that AU approach which needs to be rectified. And, and, and then also the question of whether the military regime should take part in the elections. Because yeah. that is also a situation where normally they will use that opportunity to still remain in power and civilianize themselves. And, 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 and on the Ghana question though, I mean, there's a view by some of the minority members that even under no circumstance should we be deploying Ghanaian troops, Ghanaian soldiers into Niger for this particular intervention. Um, is that a position that is tenable, can be sustained in considering a decision? We anticipate that ECOWAS decides to deploy. I don't think there's a legal basis to, to say that Ghana cannot go with ECOWAS to intervene. There is no legal basis for that. But I think that we should not adopt that legalistic approach. We should give room for democracy because democracy 
uh, sorry, diplomacy. Diplomacy is also uh, um, recognized under Article 73 and Article 40 of the Constitution. Uh, and, and Ken Officer Baji, considering that the ECOWAS defense chiefs are meeting on Thursday and Friday, uh, if you put your expert uh, military hat on, where does that put us when it comes to our proximity to war, to deployment? Once you're meeting on Thursday to, to put up a plan of attack, how, how close does that put us to the brink of war now? If you may permit me, and I'm glad that the conversation indicated that Ghana is a rule-based country and so on and so forth. The extension of that is that in that communique of the 10th, which I said is very terse, nonetheless, ECOWAS requested the endorsement or support of the AU and the UN. Now, yesterday, the AU Peace and Security Council met and was divided. That's how one source put it. The other source said that there was no consensus. They couldn't arrive at a decision on supporting or not supporting the ECOWAS intervention. That's a big stumbling block. But ultimately, the type of intervention that we're talking about falls squarely under Chapter 7 provisions of the UN Charter. And I've explained that. For that resolution to pass, nine out of the 15 members who have to support the resolution, endorsing ECOWAS's decision to, uh, you know, intervene in Niger. But five of the, all five of the permanent members must be part of the nine. Would you be out of your mind to think that Russia, under this circumstance, is going to support uh, the intervention? And China may abstain. Whichever way it goes, the five out of the nine provision will not pass. Now, in, on the UN Security Council, Ghana currently is part of the A3 with Mozambique and Gabon. I'm not an expert on UN, you know, voting and so on. But if Ghana even cast a supporting vote, it's not very clear that Mozambique and Gabon will do the same. So getting the nine votes out of the 15 of the Security Council will be impossible. Now, are those suggesting that Ghana can ignore, um, you know, the ECOWAS decision? Also suggest that Ghana can ignore the decision of the Security Council. If it happens to be that the Security Council does not support the ECOWAS intervention. So there are legal, under international law, there are very serious legal hurdles that we need to cross. And indeed, uh, Ken Officer Subhaji, a lot of legal hurdles as well, and then logistically as well, even if we decide to go, do we have what it takes to go in and join? At a time of great economic crisis, uh, Ken Officer Subhaji, thank you very much. And I know you'll join us again uh, at 9 p.m. because I want to expand this a bit more on the, on the day when we've seen uh, uh, talks underway to try and get the opposition party on board with this with the security chiefs also scheduled to meet on thursday and friday where does that leave us when it comes to our proximity to actual deployment 
please join us at 9 p.m. Uh, Kenneth Sabaji will join me as we explore this a bit more. Professor Kujui uh, Pidutia as well uh, will join as we begin to digest this. Uh, James Agaga, he is a ranking member on the Defense and Interior Committee, will also join ECOWAS military action in Niger. Can Ghana afford to deploy is the question that we're exploring at 9 Hey, you ever buy credits where you get up to 20% of your money back before? Make I tell you about Vodafone's a double promo. See, anytime you the recharge for a double, you get up to 20%, whether it be short code or your Vodafone cash wallet, or you don't use credit transfer to your number or someone else. And now you be high tech, so you don't use my Vodafone app or any payment app. However, you do Vodafone go send you up to 20% cash back. Into your Vodafone cash account. Who reload here? But then he enter. Top up your airtime with five Ghana CD or more in Vodafone's and double promotion and receive 20% of your money back straight into your Vodafone cash wallet. Recharge and cash out in the Vodafone and double promotion. Vodafone, further together. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.